Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camel will cover your land, young camels of Medan and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. Amen. Today's gospel reading this morning will come from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 14. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Messiah to be born? They said, In Bethlehem, in Judea, for the prophet is, has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He, said, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Amen. Amen. Um, our New Testament reading comes from 2 Corinthians five fourteen through 21. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting the people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we may become the righteousness of God. Amen. Thank you. Amen.
Well, as always, there's a lot going on in my world. I'm sure it's true of your world as well. So if the service seems like it's going lots of different directions today, that's probably because it is. On the one hand, today is New Year, and so we're going to look, well, it's not actually New Year's Day, obviously, but we're first Sabbath of the year, and so we're looking forward, asking ourselves, what does that look like spiritually, maybe? It's also the 12th day of Christmas, and while seasons are uh, meant to be informative and not dogmatically kept from my perspective, I would keep Christmas around year-round if I didn't find it just ultimately a little too saccharine. I still have my tree up. And I had my lights going last night, and it, it'll come down tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be one of these people who keeps it up till February, and the lights until August or maybe September, but um, if I do that, then I guess I can put lanterns over them for October or something, I don't know. So we have the remnants of a season, our Christ candle is lit, reminding us of the light that has come into the world this season. Thank you to all of you who participated as we had our Christmas Eve services, and I hope your uh, Christmas was indeed a blessing. I'm always gone the 29th to the Spiritual Renaissance Retreat, and this year that was as rich as ever. Um, I want to invite you for next year, which in theory could be the last year of that retreat runs. Uh, It's also communion. Uh, 13th Sabbath, Adventist tradition. It's uh, not biblically mandated in the cycles that we do it in, but four times a year we try to remember Christ crucified and resurrected. We try to remember the Passover time. We try to remember the deliverance that has come to all, the salvation that has come to all in Christ. And so today is communion, and we're going to partake of those elements remembering his gift to us. So, a lot of different things going on today. My question, as we begin the New Year, is is anything ever really new? I know that I feel like if anything is new in my life, it's a product of aging, not uh, something else. It feels like Something can be new, it's a new day, but I'm eating the same foods, I'm walking the same route, I'm seeing the same things, I'm driving the same way. I'm... Any of you ever feel like this way? I think the French call it déjà vu. Wait a minute, I've been here before, I've done this before. I think the pessimists among us, the realists perhaps, if they want to classify themselves that, The doubters, those inclined to reflection or perhaps even melancholy, might want to agree with the author of Ecclesiastes. The author of Ecclesiastes, right off, first chapter in verses 9 and 10, says, What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which we can say, Look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. How many of you resonate with that sort of sentiment? (laughs) Nothing's new. Okay, so we have a few people who favor the wisdom writers there. Isaiah might want to say something altogether different, and the rest of us may want to hear that. Isaiah says in verses 8 to 10 of chapter 42, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or praise my praise to idols. 
See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Sing a song of praise to the Lord, Isaiah says. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. You see, at the end of this passage, Isaiah is even thinking of a new song, something new. And yet there are many things that we can associate, whichever our perspective with newness in Scripture Ezekiel 11.19, other Ezekiel passages speak of something central to the Christian walk and all of our ways of thinking and being. It's a new heart and a new spirit. Is that familiar to you? Ezekiel says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That is a miracle that I require almost daily. That my unresponsive nature might be given to a responsive one. That the God who initiates and brings his grace to my life and his presence to my person day by day might bring that anew. And that I might respond to the living God. That I might hear him and know him. In scriptures, there's all sorts of references to things that are new. God is going to give you a new name. Jerusalem is going to get a new name. He's going to give us a new song to sing. He's provided a new covenant. The Bible speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, new wine and new wineskins, new things, actions of God. If we want to go to the more obscure, transporting the Ark of the Covenant required a new cart. There were objects associated with, all, with worship that were new in Scripture, including new altars. Scripture even speaks of new punishments and new judgments. Psalm 73, 14 says, All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. Ouch. I guess when you're depressed or when you're having a bad time, that's pretty much where we land, isn't it? When things feel bad, they feel bad universally, Yes. You know, it's very hard for us to play the glad game when we're really down and out. And Psalm 73 doesn't even try. Numbers 16. Remember the story of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram? They were traveling with Israel. They had been a part of something special. They had been a part of a battle. They had dishonored God. They had rebelled against Moses. They were seeking to have their own uh, direction followed. And in Numbers 16, 29 to 31, it says this, these rebellious ones that was said of them. If these men die a natural death and suffer the common fate of all human beings, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new, I like that, something totally new. And then the person speaking, Moses, says, what it will be. And the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them. And they go down alive into the realm of the dead. Then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. As soon as he had finished saying this, what happened? 
the ground under them split apart. That's kind of the unhappy side of something new. Jesus speaks of a new commandment. Do you remember what that was? A new commandment I give you that you love one another. It comes out of God's love for us. And that is the new command. Paul speaks of a new self, the new creation, the new life, and the new way of the Spirit. Okay, I know you want proof. I know you can't wait. Romans 7. When we were controlled by our sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now... By dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Part of this newness, part of this journey is shedding the old, living new in the Spirit. It's part of the journey. Colossians 3. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That's the imperative, the new self. 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. You've heard that passage before, yeah? Amen. Amen. All this is from God who reconciled himself, us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That was in our passage today, read just a few minutes ago. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. We think it's future. We think the new creation anticipates only a new heaven and a new earth, maybe the new Jerusalem. But the declaration is that the work of God has been done in that we can be new creation now in Christ as well as resurrected to glory in the twinkling of an eye to a new heaven and a new earth. Galatians 6. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Nothing matters, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. The Apostle Peter speaks of newness too. He speaks of new birth. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Our children's story hit on that, didn't it? Something new, something unseen, something unanticipated. We're given a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Well, I think you're getting the idea. The Bible speaks of a new song. I mentioned that earlier. Read Psalms and then read Revelation. The two correlate beautifully. Sing to the Lord a new song. That's what it says. 
and he will give us new songs to sing. There's so much there present in the way we worship now, in the way we live our life as a song, and what is to come as we praise God in the heavenly realms. Of great significance in the Hebrew context, Greek too for that matter, not so much in the world today, although your parents probably had a meaning in mind when they named you, though not necessarily, they may have just liked the sound of it. Names had great significance in Old Testament times, also new. And God declares that he's going to give us a new name in Isaiah 62, 1-3. I've spoken of this to you before. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. I don't know what that new name looks like. I just know that when I hear it, it will be mine. When I hear it, it will be mine. And you likewise. Seventh-day Adventists are big students of the book of Revelation. When we read Revelation 2 and think of the seven churches and the messages of the Spirit to the seven churches, we want to identify sometimes more with one church than another. Those of us who like to travel to biblical sites have tried to see some of these spots where these churches are listed in Asia Minor. And Pergamum is one of them that's still around in Turkey. It's actually a little city on top of it. Revelation 2.17 says, To those who are victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give each of them a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. This is code of some kind. But I know this, when God wrestled with Jacob, the scoundrel, Jacob emerged with a new name, Israel. And as I wrestle with God day to day, week to week, year to year, as you wrestle with God, he's promised that one day, if we're faithful, There'll be a new name. I can't wait to hear what it is. Revelation 3, 11 to 13, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Boy, we don't pay often enough attention to that, do we? Let no man take your crown, the scripture says. What does that mean? How often do people give up this journey and for apparently the silliest things? Apparently the silliest things. We allow people to dictate how we're going to behave toward God. Too often. And the scripture just simply tells us, don't let anybody take your crown. Keep going. Keep journeying. Keep your faith in the one who redeemed you, who made you, who loved you with an everlasting love. Verse 12 Those who are victorious, I will make pillars in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, code. And one day we'll be there. As we think closer to the communion experience, Jesus in the upper room at the table with his disciples, breaking bread, beginning the Passover feast, says to everybody in Matthew 26, this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. New in what sense? Are we talking about a new kingdom? A new fast that Jesus is going to undertake through the eons until he returns? Or are we talking about a new fruit of the vine? Luke frames this passage in terms of a new covenant. He includes food as well as wine and places the fulfillment in the coming kingdom of God. Let's listen to Luke 22, 14 and forward. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. That's the Lucan version. I will not eat it again. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. I have already desired to eat, excuse me, for I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. We're familiar with that part. Paul picks it up. But it's both bread and wine he will not partake of. It's the whole feast. Again he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Remember just a minute ago? Just a minute ago, I said Luke will frame it, this meaning of this, in terms of the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom of God and covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When we contemplate the newness of what happened in that time long ago, it shouldn't be lost on us what God was trying to do. I'm going to invite our elders who are participating at the table to come forward at this time. Communion today is going to be a simple, straightforward sort of thing. We're going to be at the table. We will kneel to bless the elements. And I'm going to invite the elders each to go to a table. The deacons are available to lead you from your pew forward to receive the bread and the juice at these tables and return to your seat. As we get to the end of our time of communion table, we will eat and drink together. And I have a few comments to make about, a few more comments to make about things that are new, including the covenant that Jesus speaks to us. 
the new covenant in Jeremiah is that God will put his law in our minds and write it on our hearts. He'll be our God and we will be his people. Hebrews 8 reminds us that Jesus is not only a high priest, but that part of the reason he's a superior mediator is that the covenant which he mediates is superior to the old one. We've spoken of Luke, who speaks of new covenants as well. The cup poured out, his blood poured out for you. And Paul picks this up, quoting Luke 22. This is the new covenant of my blood. Whenever you drink it, drink in remembrance of me. Corinthians, Paul says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. There it is again. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Later on in verse 16, same passage, he says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's the veil instead of... uh, The analogy was that as Moses was receiving the law, he saw the glory of God and it was so brightly reflected in his countenance that he needed to veil it as he came before the people. Paul argues that the veil has been removed when we focus on Christ and his blood and grace and not the law. The veil is taken away when we turn to the Lord. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, made anew into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Are you seeing the direction here? We're new in covenant, new in freedom, new in glory, new in the Lord, who is Spirit. Isaiah, let this be the blessing that we take with us today. Isaiah 65 says, Whoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so by the one true God. Whoever takes an oath in the land will swear by the one true God. For the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. See, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a light, a delight, and its people a joy. Later in 66, he speaks of this new Jerusalem and says, And as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all people will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. Peter picks up these themes again and says, As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt with heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace.
And the end of the book is consistent with all of this. Revelation 21 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the Jesus who said, I'm going to wait to engage Passover till that time when all things are new, awaits in this moment. Your presence, your commitment, your eternality with him. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, the new covenant. His blood is a new covenant, and his spirit seals it. And as we go forward in the new year, the question is, can anything really be made new? And the answer is yes. God can make all things new. And the answer is yes. God, by his spirit, will make each of us anew. And so, God of all, we ask that you make all things new, including us, as we worship you this year by your Spirit. For we would seek you. Thank you for Jesus. This is our prayer. This would be our story. Amen.